0: cox bringing us closer in cox serviceable areas speeds vary and are not guaranteed cox terms apply other restrictions may apply
1: there's three sides to every story there's my side your side and the truth
0: which kelly are you edward
1: people call me Ned. i
0: photograph what my conscience asks me to
1: man they want to have him in the movie Mad max 2 it's my kind of movie Shut up!
0: Shut up! Your friend can't come back, Snitch. Oh, he's
1: disabled, I'm carer. You're blind.
0: He's an equal opportunity employer. The kids who are
1: sick cannot do their hip-hop anymore. G'day and welcome to The Curb. My name's Sandra Pierce, and this is a podcast that takes a look at Australian culture and celebrates every aspect of it. This podcast is proudly recorded in the lands of the Wajak people of Perth region and pay respects to the Elders both past, present and emerging. On this particular episode, I catch up with filmmaker Shani Yates, whose short film Choice is going to be screening alongside the documentary Rebel Dykes at this year's Revelation Film Festival. Uh, head over to the revelationfilmfest.org for more details on the actual film festival itself and to purchase tickets to go and see Rebel Dykes which I believe is screening July 10th provided that we don't go into into a further lockdown or anything like that this is a really uh, sensitive and supportive short film that is about a Nina who is played by Shania Yates uh, who is an exhausted mom and wife and she is dealing with the reality that her child is coming out as being a transgender teenager now this kind of narrative has been touched on before uh, but the difference between um, some of the stories that have been depicted on film before and *Choice* is that the the role of the daughter here is played by Shania's own daughter herself, and so that particular narrative is at least coming from an informed perspective, which I thought was really, really powerful, and actually gave the film, you know, a level of authenticity that is often missing. Uh, we touch on that a little bit in uh, this particular interview and hopefully you enjoy the interview even if you don't get a chance to see Choice itself. I think there's a lot to learn from this particular discussion with Shania. So I won't dilly daily along any longer and uh, let's jump into that interview. So let's talk about your wonderful short film, yes. Choice. Yeah, yeah, it's really beautiful. Yeah. It's it's really well made and, and just a nice uh-huh. kind of... Uh, Slice of Australian short film um, piece, yeah. Fantastic. So congratulations. Yeah, well, we
0: wanted- Thank you. Thank you very much. We wanted to incorporate, because it was, you know, film. I'll just put this on silent. <laughs> no. That's, <all> right. <laughs> That's my co-producer going, something about an interview. And I'm like, hey. <laughs> um Yeah, so we wanted to... Because it's filmed in the southwest, we wanted to showcase a bit of the Southwest as well. And we wanted to give it a real West Australian feel. So hence the FIFO dad and that kind of situation. We wanted to make it so parents and caregivers and whatnot can relate easier. If you, you know, if you make the characters too unbelievable, like, you know, the mum's a real mum. She's, you know, she's tired, she's exhausted, she runs like a, you know, looking at her running, she's not an athlete. You know, she's and she's just not. Um, looking like a model on screen you know we wanted to have it come across as quite raw and real so people could instantly relate in some way you know so I think everyone that has seen it so far which is obviously very little uh, but those close to us and and those that we've sent for review like yourself and other people um, have it seems to have hit the mark with what we were trying to achieve. So really it was about raising awareness for transgender youth suicide prevention. But in doing so, it's less about the actual transgender child focus and more about how the parents affect what happens once they come out. So basically it's, it's kind of directed at parents and teachers and caregivers and the community in general. And, yeah, so I think... Um, you know, it's a it's a film that's going to trigger some people, especially in the younger kind of generation. Sometimes there's a, a, a one young person that saw it felt a bit quite triggered because she has a transgender sibling, and just seeing seeing for instance this scene where um, Jessie, Sophie has the tissues in the toilet that really really kind of spoke to her, and she was like, "Wow, you know, I feel I feel guilty just being born." female when my now sister never, you know, couldn't develop those kind of things, never had that kind of experience. And so she was really sad about it and it was really good to get her perspective on it.
1: Yeah. I I think there's a really beautiful balance between showing the, the difficulty of um, Sophie deciding to, you know, the the life that she's living, but also um, highlighting, you know, the, the difficulty that parents are going through. And it never, you know, it never villainizes them or victimizes them or anything like that. It just shows that, you know, it shows two people who live in a society where they're weathered, you know, as you're saying, the mum is somebody who's got to look after the house. She's a weathered individual. And while she she loves her her kids, I'm sure there was a palpable, for me, there was a palpable feeling of like, oh, this is just one more thing I have to worry about. And it wasn't a derogatory Oh, I can't believe my kids trans or anything like that. Oh, yeah. It was just a, like, oh, you know, it's she's got a pile of everything to work out. Yeah. Um Yeah. How is it kind of creating this particular story? Because they're they're so believable. As they're saying, you know, they're so they feel pulled from life. Yeah.
0: So there's a lot of there's a lot of what we've experienced as a family with my transgender daughter, um, Safi, who actually plays Jessie slash Sophie in the film, which wasn't actually planned, but um, towards the end of the casting process where we were struggling to find transgender actors that had some acting experience. And then, you know, they or those that we did find we were like, oh, we're just, we're not sure. And then, and Safi piped up and said, well, you know originally she didn't want she was happy the film was being made and very supportive but she didn't want to kind of be in it and didn't want to put herself in that position because obviously she had to go back pre-coming out and put herself she's further along in her transition so this was really quite difficult for her in the filming process to do that mentally you know um so when she said oh, I want an audition I was like oh okay wow this has changed things because I'm going that means I'm going to be directing you part of the time um but also I thought, wow, this is a bit too close to home. So I sent an audition, her audition tape. I said, you need to do an audition tape because at that time, COVID was still, you know, we're doing self-tapes. And I said, we, I'll send it to Claire and to Asbeta and a few other people. I'll, I'll get their opinions and I'll step back a bit. Um, and she just, just, it was just, she was made to do this. Like it was, she's lived it. So it just seemed so right you know, and she just really brought it to life on camera, and I thought, wow, this is okay. This is what we're doing. So it was using the experience, some of the experiences from our own life. There's definitely a lot of that in this film, but I also spoke to families across Australia, and just through my research with Telephone Kids Institute as well, I've kind of got a feel for what other families are going through. So we've mixed the different things up. For instance, in in our life, I was. Although I thought it was a phase at first, just very briefly, um, because she'd been going through a lot in a lot of, I guess, kind of phases before this, in terms of like a week of being gothic and and a week of this and a week of that, you know. So you tend to kind of react like, oh, maybe this is another thing. Um, And so, yeah, it's now I've lost my train of thought. (laughs) (laughs) What I'm saying here, yeah.
1: That's all right. Take it yeah, time.
0: Yeah, so there's a lot of us in it. But then we changed things around. So I was quite accepting. She kind of, when she came out, I was, as the mother, was quite accepting, although probably very similar to Nina in the film in being overwhelmed with so much going on, with another little child and just a million things happening. Um, and also, Safi does have a stepfather, although not modelled on um, Paul in the film at all, although he is firefighter. So we've taken... The FIFO kind of side of it we've taken, but we switched switched the roles of the parents a bit. We wanted to appeal to men in general. Um, We wanted them to be able to relate as not always being like the baddie because a lot of the time there has, you know, in a lot of families, quite often it will be the dad that struggles more, especially if it's a, a what was, you know, male to female transition. They will struggle a little bit more sometimes than the mother. But we wanted to switch that around so we could kind of show that this isn't always the case and really speak to, I guess, our audience, the men in our audience as well. Um, so, yeah. Um, and in terms of, I guess, a lot of families in Australia have it a lot worse than what we have portrayed. So... You know, a lot of a lot of transgender youth don't have support from from either parent, or they're kicked out on the street, or you know, there's just that lack of understanding. So we didn't go as far as to go to that kind of length, or to that point, I should say. Um, we wanted to keep it, I guess, similar to our story, but enough to show that the parents' decisions really have such a big impact on on the children. So when I did my research with um, on Kids Institute, they did a trans pathway survey and that found that uh, if, child, if transgender children, I might not be wording this correctly, but if transgender children have just one supportive adult in their life, that reduces some of the mental health issues associated with the and suicide prevention kind of stuff um, up, up to 60%. So just one, just having one supportive person at home, in your home base where you feel safe is so important so that's why we were really speaking to parents here just saying you can be that person we just you know, it's all about tolerance it's about acceptance and and the thing is that you know a lot of people i know friends family you know they've struggled with the idea of it but when you're left with the one in two the stats showing one in two transgender youth will have attempted suicide that's that's horrendous that's that's not okay you know that's that's very very
1: scary. So that's why these kind of conversations are so important. Yeah. The the stats and the the um figures that you put at the end of the film are really uh, I mean they're quite a gut punch in a lot of ways which kind of which really reinforces I mean I I watch a lot of LGBTQ uh yep. films and cinema yep. and stuff like that and um I've noticed that you know gay stories and lesbian stories tend to they've finally kind of broached the um the the realm of being I'm trying to find the right words but basically they were often steeped in tragedy and yeah. now there is a lot of you know warmth and happiness in them yeah. but the trans stories are still steeped in tragedy and that's what I found so refreshing about this is you're saying it's so easy to yes there are people who might be less fortunate but it is it is so important to be able to see a narrative where it's not distinguished by a tragedy. It's not distinguished by uh, the people who who unfortunately lost their lives. Um, So congratulations on that. And thank you very much for nudging that kind of um, that realm of the cinema in the right direction, because it's really, really helpful. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think we wanted to show that it's so, it could so easily go that way Mm. and we wanted to show people watching it that it's, you know, it's, it's very easy for people to on the outside that haven't done any research into transgender youth or don't have any understanding about it whatsoever it's easy for them to say look at a family and then judge but they have no idea what's going on behind closed doors and so what we have portrayed is something very very common you know that that kind of narrative what's going on between the parents and then what's going on with the child so so common in the in the teenage years um, if not a lot worse so yeah, I think for me, it needed to feel authentic and it needed to be as raw as we could
1: mm. make it, you know, yeah. to an extent. So. The, the, there is a, I mean, the, the title of the film kind of leans into the, the conversation that the two parents have with each other, which I felt was so, for starters, I thought it was really beautiful that you said it with them sitting outside because it feels like it felt it felt like something that my parents would have done you know in the sense that like oh shit he's doing something a bit weird now oh no you know that kind of thing and he he can't hear us outside so that that staging in itself was really beautiful um but the conversation felt very organic and natural was how did you go about scripting that and organizing um the right wording to be used there because it's I think that it, for a lot of filmmakers, it might feel like a bit of a tightrope to get the right words right, you know, yeah. and to say the right thing and not, you know, yeah. put your foot in it. And so well, how did you manage that? Well, <laughs> yeah. it's
0: funny because I did have a couple of people review the script originally and, you know, there were there were a few comments of, oh, it's just the whole thing's little, There's bits of cliché-ness in it and whatever. And I said, yes, but this is how it is. This is yeah. kind of this, this life life is cliche sometimes yeah cliches
1: are steeped in truth you know it comes from yeah yeah
0: exactly exactly. so I guess I could when writing that scene in particular I took myself back to the times I was really struggling with exhaustion and struggling to deal with the mental load of you know say my daughter was going through over here and I can't fix it for her and I'm in a world of pain over here, and she's in a world of pain over there. And I and the conversations I've had with my husband and uh, Safi's father, um, which so my husband's not Safi's father, um, and just with other people. And I thought it's got it. It just kind of came onto the page. It just kind of came out. But I had to refine it quite a lot when I, you know, I went through it and I'd be like, no, that doesn't seem right. Like I wouldn't have said it like that. Or I feel like Nina because we had to. Obviously, it's not about me. I am quite different to Nina, but there is there's kind of a bit of a mix, you know, in there. So I had to kind of really pull myself out of that as well. And Nina, we really wanted to show that she was, she was also on a woe is me. You know, when she walked outside and she's having a cigarette and a whatever, she's like, she's, she's making it about herself a little bit. But that's what parents often do, because when, especially when they're exhausted and they're tired it becomes about them and i think that's what we wanted paul to show was to go snap her out of it a bit you know to kind of go look you know i know this i know you're going through this which and i also wanted to kind of show the dynamic between a fifo husband and a wife there's that there's always that i mean even with my husband who's in the other room at the moment but i'm probably you know we have those arguments about who does it harder at home who does it harder at work you know and that struggle with coming home and dealing with with um, emotional explosive children sometimes and that kind of thing. So there's, I feel like that scene encapsulates so many different things
1: for me. Yeah, it yeah. really does. I, I, I want to commend you as well. Like Paul's discussion uh, surprised me uh, in a way which I didn't expect. Like I, you so often see the, the typified FIFO man as being, you know, this, gruff kind of bloke and sure that exists, but also there are, you know, nice tender caring people. And I think the thing that I felt was really important was that, and it it highlighted the depth of his character so well was how he's like, it's, it's clear that he's been having discussions with the people that he works with about their lives and his (laughs) life in particular. And so, you know, when he's like, look, one of my mates had a trans kid and, you know, this is what happened. There's an acceptance there, which I thought I was really beautiful. So, uh, yeah, thank you for writing that particular moment uh, in particular. Because, yeah, and that was, I have to, yeah. I
0: really have to commend um, Claire Leach, my co-director, when we were workshopping this, she she was really pushing for that. Let's make the dad more understanding because mm-hmm. then when we, when we have these gruff FIFO workers out there watching this, they will be able to, go, oh, yeah, and kind of take it on board a bit more and relate to it a bit more because they don't want to be seen as the bad guy. Yeah. As soon as you show them as the bad guy in a film, they're going to push back and go, well, that's not me, you know, and then they've disconnected from it. But in, in, instead kind of showing them that there's other ways of being even regardless, you know. I mean, it is, I would say, you know, the majority are gruff and perhaps less understanding in, <laughs> in a lot of situations. But we really wanted to switch it around and go, no, but not everyone is like that. And maybe this could help tell the story to a wider audience if we make it like that. So, yeah. And my husband's also probably way closer to Paul in terms of sensitivities in, in a way, but certainly not model them. There's no, they're, they're very different people, but there is probably, he's probably able to be a little bit more sensitive than, say, your standard gruff, gruff
1: kind of. <laughs> Right. Well, well, I I think that's what I like is that it it you know these kinds of stories they help break down um you know the the assumed normality of life in a way and I guess that's the other thing which I I really appreciated was that it helps break down the the mentality that you know teenagers are going through a phase as you were talking before you yeah. know oh they're going through a goth phase and stuff like that and. Yeah. That's a reality that you know. I was teenage okay. once, We're all teenagers yeah, once, exactly. and yeah. Different. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but for you, I, I and please don't answer this if you feel it's too personal. But for you, how did you find the the difficulty of um, distinguishing between what was a phase and what wasn't a phase? You know, this is um, this is real.
0: Um, the change in my daughter when we when she came out and wanted to be called she didn't kind of come out and say hi hey mum I'm transgender she said I want to be called this name um and then just kind of walked off and went all right so we're left to go what does this mean and then we had a parent call up and say oh just letting you know that um I won't say her previous name because that's not yeah but such and such is now saying that they're called this is that is that the way it is? So that was like a bit of a shock to us because we'd only just heard briefly. So she hadn't really talked to us, but she started talking to other people first, which is another sign, you know. So then I thought, wow, this is, this is something we need to take note of. So once I was like, okay, yeah, well, if that's something that you feel, you know, even though I wasn't sure still whether it was a phase, I kind of was like, okay, well, we'll be supportive. And the change in her, the change in that child you know, coming from, I guess, more of a a sadder place to a happier place and seeing her smile more and seeing her come into herself, that's what made me realise this is here to stay, this isn't, you know. And then it kind of made sense, even though there wasn't, she wasn't, um, there weren't any real signs when she was younger in terms of, I guess, what people would generally, you know, talk about, you know, with, oh, was she wearing female clothes? Was she into playing with more girlier things those kind of things she wasn't doing any of that but she did have more female friends and she did she did have a lot of emotional struggles in the playground and i think it's because she had that struggle within herself she didn't know where she she was fitting so that kind of made sense so once once you see your child kind of start to shine a little bit and and find themselves it's it's quite obvious that it's not a phase and that this is who they are
1: yeah yeah. yeah. I, I think it's wonderfully represented in the film as well. And, you know, oh, right. it ends up with a beautiful moment, which is just, it's beautiful for the characters, but it's also beautiful for the landscape too. Uh, you know, yes. I think that, yes. that that reflects so much of the characters in a way. Um, so was that mm-hmm. that a conscious choice to film in that location or was it because just... It, like, I, yeah.
0: Because I wrote it down here and because Safi has experienced some of her her turmoil down here a lot of it was in perth a lot of i guess the more the mental health had had gone downhill a little bit more in perth but when we moved here there was probably nature is has been part of our lives for a long time and and when i originally wrote wrote the film um, or wrote the script nina was going to be running but she was running in a forest and then i decided to move it to the ocean and then i thought then you know looking back at our own experiences with safi it just just worked beautifully so it was kind of it definitely was a conscious choice, but the direction changed a little bit as we started to understand and write the characters a little bit with more depth, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I think it's beautiful, and I mean, WA's got beautiful landscapes, so that's okay. <laughs> you why know? not
0: make most of that. And also because I was I raised the money myself, I decided not to go to Screen West because I missed out on a couple of the. Um, closing dates when I was organising all of this, so I thought, you know what, I'm just going to take full creative control of this, and so I did two Australian Cultural Fund campaigns, and then I also did presentations to the Rotary Club and Lions Club of Margaret River, and the Shire down here gave us a $2,000 arts grant, so when you start involving people down here as well, we wanted to showcase that community and... that was why we we would have filmed the entire thing down here if we could have but we had to cheat it and and use a house in Fremantle to make it look like it could potentially be down here because just the cost and because of COVID like the cost of having everyone down here and when we were shooting it was it was pretty much holiday time and again and it was just going to be a nightmare and way out of our budget so
1: yeah yeah and thankfully Fremantle's got a lot of places that look like Places from down south, so yeah, it's yes. good. <laughs> yeah, so that was good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, where to now for you? Like, it's oh,
0: people, people have asked that. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, think, I said, I said, I'm just. It's been such a, you know, it was such a intense journey, and because I've worn so many hats in this production, I've you know, co-producer, co-director, acted in it. You know, I've done so much for it that it's taken a lot out of me. Um, but at the same time, really just given me life. So it's kind of where I'm at, well, I think Safi as well, we're at that point where we, a lot of the hard work has been done. We want to sit back and enjoy it a bit. We want to enjoy it and see where this can go. But but obviously the whole idea behind the film was that after the festival route, we would be able to give it to institutions to be able to help, you know, say educational institutions. So hopefully it can go further and help more families so that's that's the plan we want to keep it going for as long as we can as far as as far as you know more productions i don't know i don't know where it's going at the moment
1: just, <laughs> well you're still in the midst great, of everything
0: fun. yeah exactly I just need to take some time and enjoy it and um yeah see where it goes. but i know safi safi enjoyed the process although it was very difficult for her to you know each day pulling her back out of that kind of me, that mental space that isn't so pleasant. I had to pull her out of that director a couple of days and then Claire would help on the day she was directing and I was acting and whatnot. I think that was exhausting for her. But seeing the end product, although it's hard for her to watch herself like that, and even for most actors, watching themselves on film is pretty hard. Um, I think she's proud and and really happy about where it's going. So
1: That's good. Yeah. And- I imagine it's going to be um, both a like it might be a bit uh, yeah difficult in a way to finally have it to release it on the big screen and revelation like that's got to be yeah. it's got to be good it's <laughs> good <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah yeah
0: but it's, it's super clear, about
1: her, but yeah so- yeah it's a great festival yeah wonderful yes. festival Nappy will hopefully
0: be um, involved in that Q and A she wants to be involved so cool. I'm, you know, she'll be there. The festival um and cinefest have although we're not allowed to be telling the world yet <laughs> um have have um taken this film on is what i'm trying to say <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so that'll be had, we'll have a southwest premiere later in the year which will be fantastic as
1: well. fantastic but yeah, we're,
0: we're super excited to be part of revelation film festival
1: yeah yeah
0: we had a, a pretty much four woman team doing this together so we're also really stoked that you know it's like all women behind the production side of things and and cinematography and directing so it's it's kind of you know for this industry i think that's a good thing as well
1: it really is yeah and you've you've made a wonderful film and you know the passion and the the heart and the humanity uh is clear in every single shot and and frame and the performances and you know the script yeah. and direction and everything i think is it's just wonderful. Uh, it's the kind of the kind of narratives that we we need to hear and need to see. Yeah. So, yeah. I think
0: we need more of that. I think we need more more stories that have an impact. I think we need more um, rawness, if, if you like, on on the screen. More yeah. authentic, authenticity and stuff. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. It's, we're very we're very very excited. So well, I think. We're so so passionate about it that, you know, when people say where to next, it's like working on another production like this, I would have to be just as passionate to pull it over the line, you know, to make it something that we're that proud of. Mm. You know, I just don't know. There's just so much passion put into it that I wonder the next project, what would that be like? You know, it depends. If I find something passionate to write about
1: It'll Maybe. come. It'll come if it if it need, if it has the burning desire and the need to arrive. Then then it will come. These things happen. But I I know that whatever happens next, um, you're gonna be. It's gonna be very exciting and very interesting. So, whatever it is, okay. I'm looking forward to it. So, <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, well we pre- I appreciate the time to have a little interview yeah. with you.
1: That was filmmaker Shania Yates talking about her short film, Choice, which is screening at this year's Revelation Film Festival. Head over to revelationfilmfest.org for more details. To listen to other interviews associated with the festival, like one with Richard Sawada, head over to thecurb.com.au. And to help keep this website nice and independent, head over to patreon.com forward slash thecurbau. Thank you very much, everybody. I hope that you're all staying safe and sound and keeping well isolated and looking after each other jump onto that vaccination queue if you can. I'll see you all on the next time on the next episode. Uh, look after each other stay safe bye
0: love this podcast support
1: it and sponsor today. Simply head to oscastnetwork.com for details.